All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America. Happy Sunday. Oh, what a show we got for you. We had such an amazing lineup of guests. I could have picked 20 guests and we could have gone on all afternoon with this uh, podcast, but we tried to pick five of the best. Uh, we had a hard pick and there are a lot of good ones, but joining us today from the best of Just the News, Not Noise television show adapted for this podcast. First, we're going to kick off the show with the great Tennessee Senator, Marsha Blackburn, a lot to say about Russia, Ukraine, China, and the state of our military. Congressman Ralph Norman, always a sage and fun voice, a voice of common sense in Congress. He's joining us from the great state of South Carolina, the brand new Michigan nominee for governor. Tudor Dixon, a good friend of mine because we used to work together on Real America's Voice. She's now going to take on Gretchen Whitmer in the fall, one of the titans of the Democratic Party. Tudor Dixon hopes to be David. That slays Goliath. She's going to join us and tell us where she thinks Governor Whitmer is vulnerable. Alan Dershowitz, always an honest voice, a champion of liberty and free speech. Yeah, he's a liberal, but he's a liberal that listens to all sides. He's honest about where he stands. He engages with others, and he does not believe for in a second in the cancel culture and censorship that his own ideologues around him are trying to impose on America today. Always a great interview. Love to have Alan on. And then finally... We'll end up with a guy that I keep thinking about. If he had been in Anthony Fauci's job back in January 2020 when the COVID-19 virus hit, I kept thinking we might be a lot better off here in America. You know his name, Dr. Harvey Rich from the great Yale University Public Health School. He's going to give us the latest on all of the backpedaling that public health officials in this country are doing. We're getting a lot of reversals and revisionist history in America from the very people who imposed vaccine mandates, mask mandates, school lockdowns, and now are telling us, well, we kind of knew they weren't going to work. What the heck? Well, Dr. Harvey Rich is going to make a little sense of that on this great Sunday. So kick back, get a glass of wine or a good cold soda, sit on the back porch, put on the headphones. Let's have a great show together. The Sunday edition of John Solomon Reports right after this commercial break. 
Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Our first guest tonight is a champion for Taiwan's independence and is one of the nation's biggest critics on the Chinese Communist Party. Joining us right now is Senator Marshall Blackburn from the great state of Tennessee. Senator, great to have you on the show tonight. It's so nice to join you. Thank you. Uh, Let's start off with uh, the Speaker Pelosi's trip today. Your thoughts on the symbolism, the impact and the Biden presidency's efforts to try to stop the trip. John, it is so significant that the Chinese Communist Party has kind of reared their head on this one. But I applaud Speaker Pelosi for not kowtowing to the Chinese Communist Party. And I think it's great that she stood up to President Biden on this, as well as standing up to the CCP. It is important that we support Taiwan and that we recognize their willingness and their desire to be a free and independent people. They're a good trade partner for us. They're a good military partner for us. We need a strong presence in that Indo-Pacific because we know how aggressive the Chinese Communist Party is when it comes to great power competition as well as debt diplomacy and the Belt and Road Initiative. 
Absolutely. And Senator, as you noted, we, it is very important to support Taiwan. In fact, for decades, our policy has been to be uh, intentionally and strategically ambiguous about that relationship. But NATSEC spokesperson John Kirby uh, seemed to speak in a way that was about as delicate as a bulldozer and flat out said, we don't support Taiwan's independence. Your thoughts on that? That was so surprising, Amanda, that he came out in that way because people had been curious as to whether or not this administration did support Taiwan. And they had been so weak in their dealings with the Chinese Communist Party that it led people to question their commitment to a strong Taiwan and to aggressively pushing back on the Chinese in the South Pacific. They're in uh, the islands. Uh, looking at our relationship with Japan, looking at uh, Australia, the South China Sea. So for Kirby to come out and to say they did not support independence for Taiwan came as a surprise to many. Yeah, it's really remarkable. We've had a lot of guests on the show in the last week who said that, listen, President Biden's weakness is really just emboldening China on so many fronts. Yes. We, we say, uh, don't provocate in the South China Sea. They surround the Japanese island with warships for a day. We say, stop stealing our secrets. They send more spies here. Uh, yeah. What can the Congress do to bulk up a weak presidency and prevent China from making more gains in this uh, battle for supremacy in the world? One of the things you're going to see after November is bringing forward resolutions that would be supportive of Taiwan. You're also seeing a push to have more embassies put in the Indo-Pacific. You're seeing more attention when it comes to Department of Defense and our different combatant commands in standing up more operations in the Indo-Pacific. And you can look for more of that. And the other thing I would say, and I know, John, that you and Amanda watched the whole process with the Defense Authorization Act and where those dollars go. That tells you where DOD priorities are. And as we move forward, looking at that uh, Indo-Pacific region, uh, looking at what is happening in the Middle East, the changes that are in these different regions, looking at uh, the axis of evil, new axis of evil, as I call, call it, Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea, and where they're trying to reach out and gain friends in these specific areas. That's going to tell us a lot. Senator, there are so many issues relating to China and not even necessarily our own foreign policy, our relationship with China, but human rights abuses over there. The yeah. abuse against Uyghur Muslims has kind of fallen off of the news cycle. We still talk about it here. Um, but when you, you tweeted something, you actually dunked on our ambassador to China, which I found to be uh, very well done, brilliantly done, by the way. Uh, when he was tweeting, the ambassador, Nicholas Burns, was tweeting about basketball. And there just seems to be a common thread in this administration where even when the world is burning and things are very bad, it's not just this issue with China, the southern border crisis, inflation, issue after issue after issue, where they are focusing on things that do not at all advance progress or getting rid of the problem? You know, Amanda, one of the things that contributes to the weakness of this administration and to President Biden himself, that perception of weakness, let me say it like that, is when the team around him seems to be focused on things of a frivolous nature. 
And the American people are not in a frivolous nature mood. When I'm at home in Tennessee, people are absolutely scared to death as to what is going to happen with this out-of-control spending. They're concerned about taxes being raised on them. They're looking at how inflation is impacting them every day. They see the ill effects of the southern border with drugs and crime in their communities. They are very concerned about this rhetoric coming from the Democrat Party about how they're going to pack the court, how they're going to make D.C. a state, how they want to make it easy to cheat and hard to vote in our elections. Those are the things the American people are talking about. And when they see people that are supporting the president in his cabinet and administration, making frivolous statements or talking about, well, if you can't afford gas, go buy an electric car. I bought a used one. These are things that are unsettling to them because they are struggling to keep their head above water right now. Yeah, they are. And the, the talk in Washington is often on anything but those struggles, which has got to be frustrating to everyday Americans. Uh, let me drill down on a couple solutions. We've got a couple minutes left. Uh, we recently talked to President uh, Trump, former President Trump. He obviously built on the Quad relationship to build up security in the Pacific. He suggested, you know, it may be time to have a NATO for the Pacific theater. I want to ask you your thoughts on that. And secondly, we used to have a, a, a regime here in America long ago where China's access to our markets was a, an annual decision by Congress. And it could be pulled if China acted badly. Is it time to go back and consider some of those economic consequences for China? Well, yes, indeed, on the market access and China participation in the U.S. And whether it's the market access, whether it is treating China-based companies the same as U.S. companies, whether it is prohibiting the Chinese Communist Party from owning property and farmland, those are items that should be pulled forward. And we should have a broader discussion about that. We have to realize that the Chinese Communist Party is intent on global domination, them being the lone world superpower by the time we get to 2050. So mm -hmm. it is time to pull those provisions forward and have that further discussion. Uh, when it comes to President Trump, I miss him every single day. And there are a lot of Tennesseans that do also because he looked at the world and he said, okay, here's our friends. We're going to treat you like friends. You're going to know that you're our friends. And to our enemies, we're going to be coming after you. And you're going to know that you're our enemy. And so by doing that, what President Trump did was to hold our enemies to account. We need more of that America first, not last. Yeah, I talked to so many world leaders who say we missed that clarity we had just a few years ago. Senator, you always give us clarity. Thanks so much for joining us today and bringing us up to speed on all these important China issues. Delighted to join you. Thank you. Honored to have you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick, uh, quick commercial break. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. 
Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, Add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. There is an investigation into a possible cover-up at the Biden Homeland Security Department. Joining us now is one of the congressmen who is leading that investigation inside the House Oversight Committee, our good friend, Congressman Ralph Norman from the great state of South Carolina. Congressman, great to have you on the show today. My pleasure, John. Thank you. Uh, before we turn to the news of the day, the loss of Jackie Wilarski, I know you work closely with her. Any thoughts on, on today's tragic events? John, what a shock. Uh, Jackie was a true patriot. She loved serving in Congress. She loved her constituents. Uh, she was well thought of by staff. And uh, what a shock. And what a tragedy uh, for the whole Jaworski family. He, uh, she always had a smile on her face. And uh, she will definitely be missed in Congress. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Congressman, I want to I want to switch gears to the more political side of things within the, this administration. I think that uh, a lot of people have come to expect a lack of transparency. But when you have government employees literally delivering lessons in recalcitrance, teaching them how to avoid questioning, uh, to to dodge delivering data to the American people, it just stinks to high heaven. Not only that, Amanda, this administration has uh, set such a low bar with corruption. Uh, and I know the letters that we've written uh, as on the uh, oversight committee, they don't answer them. But I mean, think about this. Uh, the DHS under Mayorkas uh, sent a memo out asking the Border Patrol agents to withhold information from, from the Office of Inspector General. Uh, all the time, all, we've seen the highest numbers ever of illegal immigrants uh, in April and May, uh, 200,000 in, in June. They don't want this information out. And uh, but for the for the for May Orcas to promote this is sad, and we can't we can't tolerate it. That's why the letter went out, and uh, we're going to stay on this until they answer. But he's never answered before, so we'll see what he does now. Yeah, I bet that changes next year if Republicans are controlling Congress. There's going to be a few more answers finally coming your way, sir, which will be good. 
because the American people need that. I want to turn to another one of your favorite subjects. You have always been uh, very concerned about the Biden approach in Iran. Last night we had videotape of Senator Bob Menendez, a pretty well-known Democrat, chairman of Senate Foreign Relations Committee, telling Iranian dissidents this whole approach that Joe Biden is taking with Iran and the nuclear deal, it's pure fantasy. That's a Democrat saying that. Are your colleagues on the other side of the aisle beginning to wake up that the Biden administration's record might be something worth running away from? Well, you know, they've sold out. I mean, there's no other way to to consider what they've done with Iran, basically give them uh, uranium, giving them nukes to, to fight this country and other countries uh, that represent freedom. Uh, and the Democratic Party, you don't hear anything out of, of any criticism coming from any of them. Uh, and they're scared to death. They don't know which way to turn. But, you know, this is such a dangerous time with a feckless administration who is begging foreign countries not only to sell us oil, but given uh, given Iran a seat at the table with negotiations uh, for us and, and along with Russia. It makes no sense and uh, just shows you how off base and how un-American this administration is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I I do wonder what's going to happen after midterms, though, because if, if Republicans take back the House, uh, I do feel like Senator Menendez is probably just going to be the first of many Democrats eating their own. The left is starting to look like the Donner Party dining table. Uh, if Republicans take back the House, do you expect to see a lot of fingers flying across Democrat Party? Yeah, it, it will. But they're doing that now, Amanda. I mean, they don't know which way to go. Uh, you know, they've already, uh, you know, Biden has started building part of the wall in, in Arizona when they're on record is saying uh, that build the wall was divorced from reality uh, by Biden when he was running for, for office. Uh, Pelosi said, you know, all the negative statements she has about the, the wall. But, yeah, there'll be a lot of finger pointing. But uh, it's time for the when the Republicans take control. And I think we will at the House. I think we will at the Senate. We got to produce. Uh, we've got to put the priorities in place. We've got to close the border. We've got to stop this criminal element from tearing this country apart. And we've got to get the budget in, in, in line. Everybody can be a conservative now, but we've got to, when we take office, we've got to do something with it. Power for the sake of power is no good unless you use it in the right way. But I'm optimistic that we will. Yeah, and I know the media likes to suggest there's a lot of divisions in the Republican Party. I'll tell you, I talk to Republicans all day. I see a very united party, one that has a very clear sense of why it wants control and what it wants to do with it. Are you seeing a good line shoring up for the fall elections? Absolutely. And, you know, the good part about it, John, is we've we've all submitted things that we want to see done. But I think the Republican Party, uh, along with the American people, are shocked at what this administration has done in, in the last 19 months. So our path forward is is a path that we're going to take of conservatism. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, there's no divisions. There are differences of opinions on what to do. But the, the far as changing course, uh, change of direction from this administration, that's easy to do. And I think we'll do some things that are positive for the people. And uh, I think they will like the product that they will see uh, once we take office. 
And speaking of folks who might possibly be taking office, I don't know if you saw mainstream media's coverage last night, but they melted down over some of these victories. One of them was Michigan gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon, who they called, I think, a nobody is the term that they use, which especially for us here at this network, we know that she's anything but a nobody. But she's going to be the Republican candidate heading into that election. John Gibbs beat out incumbent Peter Meyer. It seemed like a night of Trump victories because Trump threw his name behind both of those candidates. How how heavy is that Trump weight going into to midterms? He's got a, I think, a 97% uh, success rate in those that he endorsed. The Meyer defeat was, was pretty big. Uh, and I think you'll see a string of them. It's a, you know, people saw the results uh, under Donald Trump. Uh, people saw that he loved the country, the economy was doing well, he put priorities in place, the military was strong, countries would never do for, to Donald Trump what they're uh, doing to Joe Biden now because they see him as a weak, ineffective leader. And um, so the Trump endorsement is huge. I know it was in South Carolina. I know it will be all, it's all over the country. You don't have a 97% uh, success rate for no reason. People see through it. Uh, they've dismissed the mainstream media because they're really, to be honest with you, not relevant anymore. So um, uh, Donald Trump's uh, brand is alive and well today. Uh, it is. And he's going to be present at CPAC in Dallas this weekend. The last big conservative confab before the election. Oh, we got about 30 seconds left. What are you looking to come out of Dallas with? I'm looking to come out of Dallas with a message that, to the American people that Calvary is on the way that people that have never run or won an office are now winning. And um, it's going to be a message that is going to be positive, upbeat, and uh, it's going to lay out a blueprint for this country that people will be glad to see. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see you there. I think uh, uh, for sure, Amanda, will hopefully bump into you on the ground down there. Congressman, thank you for joining us. Always an honor to have you on the show. All right, folks, when we come back, the chairman of CPAC will be here, Matt Schlapp, to preview what we might see and hear at CPAC Dallas. It's a lot of energy going into this. The primaries last night, I think, only built the suspense for what's going to occur on that stage all weekend long. And the man is going to be covering it live. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody. There was an earthquake in Michigan last night. Her name is Tudor Dixon. She just captured the Republican nomination for governor. They're going to take on Gretchen Whitmer in the fall, one of the most closely watched races. She's here to tell us how she pulled it off. Uh, Tudor, great to have you on the show. 
Thank you for having me. It's nice to be back on the network. Absolutely. We miss you here, but we know you got an important uh, mission. Listen, I want to start out. Gretchen uh, Whitmer is a fascinating character to run against. She has this amazing record that isn't getting talked about. She locked grandparents into nursing homes, put many of them to death because of the bad rules she put in place, and then locked her, ch her children out of schools for a long period of time. How much is her COVID record going to become an issue for you in the fall? Well, it will be one of the top issues because we haven't recovered from it. And she was the most radical governor in the nation. When you look at her, what she did, her policies, you talked about the nursing home policy. A lot of people talked about Governor Cuomo's nursing home policy, but there was a point when he said, you know what, this is not a good idea. I'm gonna reverse course. I'm not gonna do this anymore. Gretchen Whitmer doubled down. We had a massive amount of deaths in our nursing homes in Michigan. The schools, we had schools closed longer than almost any other state. And if you look on average, a blue state had schools closed for double the amount of time of days that a red state did. And so our kids are really seriously behind. But then it goes even further because she knew our students were behind. And even though she knew this and the legislature said, hey, we're going to have reading scholarships to get these kids back on track. She vetoed that because this governor will not work with the other branches of government. That is detrimental to the system and it has crushed the system and it's crushed our job creators and it's crushed our legacy industry automotive. If you look at the automotive industry, you hear about new plants being built everywhere, Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, but not in Michigan. And when I talk to those folks, they say, it's just so hard to deal with this bureaucracy that's been created by Gretchen Whitmer. She is truly strangling this state and we have got to get away from her. Absolutely. And to, you know, there, there are so many political topics to talk about that I think people agree with you on. But but some of this stuff isn't even political. The fact that Governor Whitmer refers to women as as birthing people, it seems that the real epidemic has become common sense because there isn't any of it. But I, I, I feel like for voters in Michigan, it's going to come down to some of these common sense things that aren't necessarily Republican or Democrat. Right. And we've heard people saying that these things aren't happening. You know, there's not drag queens in school and we don't have CRT. Well, in the state of Michigan, our attorney general may have been joking, may not have been joking when she, she said she wants a drag queen in every school. So we're going to take that seriously now because we've seen where these comments have led to in the past. Also, CRT, they'll tell you this is not being taught. But we have a quote last year from Detroit superintendent saying we are deeply using CRT. We can go back and say, how did our literacy exams come out this year? Well, our third graders failed across the state at a 50% rate. Half of our third graders failed their literacy exam. But in the city of Detroit, that's nearly 90%. And when I talk to teachers there, they say, our kids are not learning the, the regular arithmetic, reading, writing. That, the, those basic skills are not the focus anymore. We have really gotten heavily involved in this CRT type material where we're telling kids, you know, you're being held back, there's not the opportunity for you. And that's creating this anxiety that is preventing kids from getting as far as they should in school. We have to start focusing on from kindergarten to third grade, our students are learning to read. From third grade on, they are reading to learn. And if they skip that crucial step, they're missing the rest of their education. So we wanna go back and say, hey, every kid that hits kindergarten this year, our goal is to make sure they are reading by the end of my first term. 
It's a good goal and one that Michigan's been missing for quite some time now. Uh, another place where Michigan has always been a promise. You always thought you could get a good job in Michigan, particularly in the automaker industry, but uh, the woke agenda has hit even Ford Motor Company. They're going to get rid of 8,000 jobs. They can make electric vehicles, but which for which, by the way, we don't have charging stations to keep them running anyways. Your thought about the economy of Michigan and how that's another part of the Whitmer record that hasn't been fully explored yet. Well, there are these new policies. And if you talk to the big auto makers, the big auto industry, they say, listen, we've got California putting these mandates on us. So we have no choice. We're transfer. We're we're changing our method of manufacturing from a gas engine to this electric powered vehicle. So that means our whole system is changing. We're building new factories. And right now, Michigan is not in the race with us. So government has come down with these crazy mandates from California. That's forcing our automakers to change their style of manufacturing. And Michigan's not in the running because it takes too long to start up a factory in the state of Michigan because we're overregulated. If we can cut some of our regulations, which is our goal to cut 40% of our regulations in the first four years, then we could be in the race with these big automakers or any other factory that comes to the state of Michigan and says, hey, you've got the property. Let's get it shovel ready. Let's make sure we can start up and we can be in the race with our competitors. Tennessee and Kentucky are saying, hey, come here in a few months. You'll be breaking ground. You'll be building your new products. In Michigan, eight months, nine months to a year. We're just not in the race, but we can be. And we can intelligently come in and say there are things that we can change to quickly make sure that we are coming around and supporting our job creators. And I am excited to do that. Oh, bad things happen in California. No one should ever use California as a template for anything. Uh, speaking of California as a bad template, the energy industry. The energy industry has been hamstrung by liberal policies and the Biden administration under Gretchen Whitmer as well. How big is that going to play into your election in November? Look, we have the most radical energy policy in the entire country. Gretchen Whitmer is more radical than the most radical environmentalist in the world, Justin Trudeau, because she wants to shut down a pipeline. I know you all have covered the Keystone Pipeline. Well, we have line five in the state of Michigan, and she wants to get that shut down. Now, Justin Trudeau has actually come out and said, you can't shut this pipeline down. It, it comes from Canada, goes through Michigan, goes back up to Canada. We all use those products. And Michigan heavily relies on those products. That's what heats our upper peninsula. It heats part of our lower, lower peninsula. We use it for jet fuel. And guess what? It's the starter chemicals for our plastics. And in Michigan, as we've just discussed, we make cars, which is a lot of plastic. But this governor, for no other reason than wanting to be a radical environmentalist, she wants to shut this pipeline down. Even though the company has come in and said, if you're concerned about it, we will build this multi-million dollar, half a billion dollar tunnel. We will put the pipeline in there to keep it safe and then we'll gift it to the state of Michigan, but wow. take care of the maintenance for you. And she's still saying no. So energy and energy policy in the state of Michigan is a very serious issue. We are very afraid we will get shut down. Yeah, a lot of people worried about it. Tudor, congratulations on a big win. We're all proud of you here at the network. We're going to be covering this big race all fall long. Hope to have you back in real soon. Thanks. Check out our website, TudorDixon.com. That's an easy one to remember. All right, folks, we'll take a quick commercial break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back, America. Joining us now is Harvard Law Professor Emeritus and best-selling author Alan Dershowitz. Get it out. He just published his 50th book, An Amazing Accomplishment, The Price of Principle, Why Integrity is Worth the Consequences. Alan, it's always an honor to have you on this show. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. I'm wearing my special Celtics <clears throat> T-shirt today to commemorate the death of my friend Bill Russell, who I've known since 1964. May he rest in peace. Oh, a giant in basketball and a giant in civil rights. An amazing man. A big loss for America, for sure, Alan. Um, I want to turn our attention to something that went on last week, because I think it was one of those circumstances where somebody took advantage of America's lack of knowledge. Liz Cheney went out and said President Trump never ordered the troops. He could have ordered them early to the Capitol, days in advance. He never did it. We did some research. It turns out, uh, under the Posse Comitatus Act, apparently uh, the Pentagon can't order troops unless they get a request. That was what her father did during the 1992 civil rights, uh, during the uh, Rodney King attacks back in 1992 in Los Angeles. Your thoughts and whether it's unfair to uh, hold the president accountable for something he actually couldn't do legally. Well, I think the president is accountable for what he did do for his speech on January 6th, which I thoroughly disapprove of. But he could not have anticipated what was going to happen. And if he had called out the troops to prevent the peaceful protest, he would have gotten uh, attacked from the other side. It's a very difficult and delicate decision when to call out the National Guard. And as you're right, the Posse Act, which should be invoked only, only, only very rarely, require uh, that the request be made by local officials. Now, presidents can do more. President Eisenhower uh, nationalized the state guard during the segregation period. But these are hard questions. And Monday morning quarterback is so easy. But knowing what was known at the time, I think it's very hard to criticize. But I also don't like the idea of criticizing Liz Cheney on the basis of what her father did. He's a very different person. She will emerge soon, I think, as a Democrat. I think she will join the Democratic Party and maybe even run for office as a Democrat. Her father was a very, very different person, and children should not be held responsible for their parents or parents for their children. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah, pr Professor, I think you're spot on with respect to not just January 6th, but the duration of President Trump's four years. He was darned if he did. He was darned if he didn't. He couldn't do anything that wasn't criticized. And you recently said that, that these folks who are criticizing Trump, that they are taking liberties with the law. I believe you said they're stretching the law in a push to get the former president. What do you think their goal is? Well, the goal is to get him not to run. Let's remember, too, Biden can't do anything right either. Everything he does is criticized by Republicans. That's part of the job. you got to develop a thick skin. But I think that the United States population has the right to vote 
uh, in the 2024 election. I want to have the right to vote against Trump. I don't want that to be taken away by some bureaucrat or some congressman or somebody else. I think he should, if he wants to run, if he gets the nomination, run, and then I should have the right to vote against him. That should be the vote of the American people, not the vote of the attorney general, prosecutors, or any other bureaucrat. Yeah, such an important point. Uh, we saw a moment when Elon Musk was courting Twitter where Twitter seemed to back off on its censorship. And then once the deal fell apart, boy, they're knocking people off left and right on Twitter. Uh, you have been one of the most ardent, outspoken critics of all this censorship. Uh, Twitter seemed to have a moment of pause and then went right back to where they are. How do we reverse this long term? How do we get free speech back? We don't have to agree with what people say to allow it to happen in this country. Yeah, well, read my book, uh, The Price of Principle. <laughs> Take that over and over again. Look, um, I've been banned by the Chilmark Library, library that I love, that I speak at every year. But once I defended President Trump, I couldn't speak at the Chilmark Library, at the Chilmark Community Center, the, the uh, Martha's Vineyard Hebrew Center, and a range of other places. And people want to hear me speak, but the bureaucrats are, are censoring me. So, you know, it can be big tech, it can be universities, it can be small libraries, but we're living in an age of censorship. People don't want to hear opposing points of view. The Lincoln-Douglas debates could not take place today. Half the country would say, Lincoln is right, I don't want to hear Douglas. The other half would say, Douglas is right, I don't want to hear Lincoln. And, you know, debate is dead in America. Back to the days when Bill Buckley and I used to fight like children on television. He presenting the conservative, me presenting the point of view. Then we go out afterward and, and have a drink. That's yeah. what America was. It's not that way today. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's very sad to see. And I remember last time we had you on, when you were talking about your book, you said that one of the reasons you wrote this book was because of something I think a lot of us are experiencing, the repercussions in our social life, in our families, obviously in our professional life. Um, mm -hmm. Is the toothpaste out of the tube such that we aren't going to be able to get back to that place that you spoke about, the debates with Bill Buckley, uh, where we could have this civil discourse and talk about ideas and air them out and, and figure out the best of them? I hope not. I think today, if a candidate were to get up and say, look, we need to return to debate and con and conversation and civil discourse, that would get that candidate a lot of votes. The vast majority of Americans are centrist, right center, left center. They're not extremists. They don't want censorship. And uh, I think we can get back. I don't think we can do it quickly. I, I think we may need uh, some time. But uh, I hope for the day, while I'm still around and able to debate, that we can have these uh, debates. Uh, one great thing about your show is you have all sides presented. I don't agree with the congressman you had previously, uh, but I admire him and respect him. And that's the way we have to continue the dialogue in America, respectful dissent, respectful disagreement. We don't have. Yeah, it's really a, a challenge right now. There's no doubt about it. Uh, earlier today, a defendant in the January 6th uh, case was sentenced to seven years prison. This was a guy who did bad things, brought the gun, I get all things. But the judge rejected an effort to treat him as a terrorist. I wanted to get your thought on whether that was a measured action by the judge. It was. It was the right decision. He's not a terrorist. He's a protester. And uh, he went too far and uh, carrying a gun. Uh, he didn't go into the Capitol, interestingly enough. That's not what he was indicted for. He was indicted for essentially provoking others to, to violence. I think the sentence was excessive, in my view. Um, but it doesn't reflect on what will happen to people like my own client. I have a client, a law school student, 
who just went into the Capitol, having been welcomed by the police and then left when they told him to go. And he's been indicted for a felony and prevented from getting his law degree. So we have to make distinctions between what the people did, who they were, and whether their actions are protected by the First Amendment. Yeah, so important. Alan, I wanted to ask you about one of President Trump's very close allies, Steve Bannon. Uh, what do you think the future of that case is going to be? Do you think he will actually see jail time? I don't. Um, I think he will win uh, either in the United States Court of Appeals or in the Supreme Court. Congress didn't do the right thing. They should have gone to the court. They should have said to the court, look, he claims privilege. We don't agree. You decide. And if he violates a court order, then you indict him. But you can't indict him for violating a congressional subpoena if he claims privilege. If I were called on to testify about my conversations with President Trump, uh, when I represented him, I wouldn't testify. I would go to court, try to get a court to brief. The court said you had to do it. Of course, I would do it. But without a court order, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, so it's an important distinction. Uh, real quickly, uh, there's a Harvard study over the weekend that came out that said, uh, we've been talking about insurrection, insurrection, but most of the rioters, when you look at their motive, they said they acted out of loyalty or concern for President Trump, not because they were la launching an insurrection. At some point, did we look back at the terminology we used for January 6th and come to a different conclusion? Absolutely. This was not an insurrection. This was a protest that got out of hand. It was wrong. It shouldn't have happened. Um, but it was not an insurrection. Let's reserve the word insurrection for what it was meant for, the Civil War and uh, other countries have gone through insurrections. Uh, for us, January 6th was a stress test, and we passed it. We passed it. Transition was peaceful. The events occurred, but they are in the past now. We survived the stress test. I wish we didn't have the stress test, but democracy is stronger than those who would try to defeat it. Yeah, such a great point. Alan, real quickly, how can people get the great book you have? It's hard to believe 50 books. What an amazing accomplishment. How do people get that book? Well, I'm on 51 already. Um, <laughs> already a bestseller on Amazon uh, in law. So uh, read it and see if you like it. It tells a very personal story of what happens when you try to stick with your principles instead of being a partisan. Yeah, it's a great read. And thank you for contributing. Get another great piece of literature to our uh, reading room materials. Uh, Alan, great to have you on. We can't wait to get you back on real soon. Anytime. All right, folks, when we come back, Dr. Harvey Risch will be here to talk about COVID monkeypox. And uh, he's one of the great epidemiologists in all the world. Can't wait to have him back on just in a few minutes. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Welcome back, everybody. Joining John and I now is the Professor Emeritus of Epidemiology at Yale's School of Public Health, Dr. Harvey Risch. Thank you so much for joining us again. We have quite a bit of news to help set the American people straight. Uh, I want to get your take on this. I want to start with the COVID-19 vaccine push. When President Trump allowed Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birch to uh, to direct the messaging of it after a hard push to get vaccinated, Dr. Burke seemed to have reverse course. Take a quick look at this clip from a very recent interview. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection. And I think we overplayed the vaccines and it made people then worry that it's not going to protect against severe disease and hospitalization. It will. But let's be very clear. 50% of the people who died from the Omicron surge were older, vaccinated. Dr. Rish, thank you so much for joining us again. I want to get your uh, take on those comments. She she sounds very different than she did two years ago when she was speaking at the White House under President Trump. Well, great to be with you. I think she's just trying to revise history and uh, mm. what she did and what she said when she was in, in power, so to speak. And, uh, you know, we knew a long time ago that the vaccines were imperfect, that they would have limited duration of benefit. And we had no idea what they would actually do in the longer term. And now that we've had the evidence of what they do in the longer term, we see that they are damaging in various ways to the immune system. Dr. Burke said she had recommend, recognizes that they don't, uh, in this longer term usage, don't uh, inhibit transmission very well uh, between people. And that is, of course, the only government interest, the, the, the only real interest that a government has in, in mandating vaccines is the prevention of spread. And if the vaccines don't prevent spread, there is no government interest. There is no legal reason for a mandate. Yeah, there's no institutional reasons for a mandate. Schools, universities should not be, and employers should not be mandating the vaccines when they're now admitted not to prevent spread. Whether the vaccines will prevent severe infection, hospitalization, and death is still a studied question. There's evidence, however, that they're not doing so well even in the mortality uh, outcomes. And uh, there are places and, and groups where the people have been vaccinated and after a slimmer, longer time post-vaccine, post-booster, that their risks for mortality are the same as unvaxxed or maybe higher. So this is ongoing and we're studying it and, and we're gonna see what happens. You know, a lot of people probably were scratching their head this weekend when they found out that the President of the United States, who everyone assumes has the greatest medical care one could possibly get, got a rebound case of COVID five or six days after his initial treatment. You've been talking about the dangers of some of the treatments we're using and rebound. Describe to us what you think happened with President Biden. I think that he just got the, the, the what's called Paxlovid rebound, which was estimated went in from the original trials to be about 15% of people who used it got this rebound. Occurs about five to seven days after finishing the first course of Paxlovid. What it really means is that Paxlovid's original course of five days is too short. But that's how it was tested, that's how it was approved. 
you know, un until the manufacturer does another uh, randomized study and tests it for 10 days, you know, we won't know whether it uh, the rebound occurs or not in that time frame. So what we know now is that in about 15% of people that take it, they get this rebound. It happened to Dr. Fauci. It happened to the president. It's not all that uncommon. Dr. Risch, I wanted to ask you about uh, a bit of a piece of breaking news. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker just declared a public health declaration due to monkeypox. I think that the, the global number of monkeypox cases is still only hovering around 20,000, but it seems that at least in Illinois, the governor is concerned. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, uh, I think that it used to be that a pandemic emergency was declared when there were, was mortality as a, as a major risk. Now we have no mortality from monkeypox in the United States, and we're still calling it an emergency. There are so many more things that are emergencies. Traffic accidents is an emergency. It kills 40 or 50,000 people a year in the United States. That's an emergency. Smoking deaths kills half a million people a year in the United States. That's an emergency. We take those in stride. We should not be, be, be fear-mongering on monkeypox. Yeah, and the real question now is, and you've been such a, a, a consistent voice, and I think a lot of Americans wrapping around realizing how right you were and how wrong the public health uh, professionals were in, uh, here in Washington. How do we have the sort of debate that we do course correction? Because right now it seems like we're staying on the same train and we're just doubling down on failed strategies. How do we step back and start to break the cycle of failure that we've had with the pandemic and now monkeypox? Probably there are only two ways that this is going to be fought back, and both of them involve using the courts as the tool that's potentially available. The, the biggest interests are the ones who have to fight back the soonest, which is the insurance companies that are having to pay early unexpected mortality claims for people that they've, they've, their actuaries have evaluated will live longer than they have. And they have a major financial risk that they have to figure out how to manage. And they're the ones who are going to go back against the vaccine manufacturers saying that the representation about all-cause mortality was misrepresented from the original trials. That, I think, is going to be a major pushback uh, on the, the vaccine manufacturers. The, in, in the meantime, we have the lower-level cases about vaccine mandates, mask mandates, and things like that, where we now that we have a public officials uh, openly admitting that the vaccines do not prevent spread, there's no rationale for having vaccine mandates, either in universities or institutions and in companies. Dr. Risch, obviously COVID was, was horrible globally. It was terrible for our country as far as lives lost. But one of, I think, the, the most lasting detrimental impacts is the skepticism that a lot of Americans now have towards vaccines in general. And we all know, you know, the, the normal course of vaccines for kids and babies, MMR, diphtherium, tetanus, things like that. Are you concerned that going forward, American parents are going to be even more skeptical about having their children uh, immunized against these things that are very serious when, when these vaccines did work in the past? Well, I think the FDA and the CDC brought this on themselves. They spent so much of their time misrepresenting the evidence. People recognized that what they were putting out wasn't accurate and the statements weren't uh, good public policy then they withdrew their trust. And now that loss of trust is extending to everything else that, that FDA and CDC say for good reason. Those institutions have to figure out how to rebuild their trust with the American people. And I don't see any, any you know, effort in, the, in that regard you know, starting up yet, but there's all sorts of reasons. I've been reading Mary Holland's book on the HPV vaccine, 
and seeing some of the mm. same tricks that were used by vaccine manufacturers right. to misrepresent the evidence in that case, just the same way yeah. as it was done with the COVID vaccine. Yeah, and I think you're right. The CDC has not done much to try to fix it. But we appreciate having you on, Dr. Harvey Rich. It's always nice having your insight on the show, and we'll have you back on very soon. Oh, thanks a lot, Amanda, for joining me on this. What a great interview. I learned a lot. We're going to be right back with more things just like this right after the commercial break. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a Sunday edition. I hope the rest of your day is blessed with family and friends and fellowship, maybe a good meal on a Sunday night as well. Enjoy that family. Enjoy the remainder of summer. It's a great time to be with family and friends. Enjoy the warm weather. Get a vacation in. Read a good book. You know the routine. And also, check out justthenews.com whenever you got a hankering for a little bit of breaking news or investigative news. We give you facts not fiction. We give you information, not indoctrination. We give you news, not noise. And we hope that we make you proud and earn your trust with every story every day, including our very important promise to you to be transparent. How are we transparent on justthenews.com? By giving you the extraordinary tool of called the Dig In Tool. When you click on that, everything that's in my notebook or my reporter's notebook that went into building the story you're reading It's available to you to check out yourself. Documents, audio, video, research links, all there for you to check out. That's our promise of transparency. Have other news organizations do that. Not many do, but we do. We believe in it. Check that out as well. All right, have a great Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for supporting Justin News. Thank you for supporting our sponsors and our advertisers and our partners and for listening to today's edition of John Solomon Reports. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Until then, have a great rest of your summer weekend. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.